I wanted to pursue a medical career. So I wanted to be a doctor. And then very short from thinking about that, I was like, well, this is really not for me. And so I thought, well, the next obvious uh, step on like taking care of people and like keeping people healthy is, of course, like keeping our environment healthy and like understanding all this earth processes. In this episode of Voices from the Field, we meet up with one of INCAT's newest sustainable agriculture specialists, Luz Ballesteros Gonzalez. In her conversation with her colleague, Robert Maggiani, in the INCAT's southwestern regional office in San Antonio, Texas, Luz talks about how she decided on a career in sustainable agriculture. After initially setting out to study medicine, her interests in chemistry and environmental sciences led her to see the connections between health and food, agriculture, and community. Environmental scientists, Lou says, are the doctors of the earth. Let's listen. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Robert Maggiani. I am a sustainable ag specialist from the, with the National Center of Appropriate Technology. I'm in the Texas office, which is part of our Southwestern Regional Office. Here today to uh, give you all a little bit of introduction into one of our new employees. Luz Ballesteros has joined the organization about a couple of weeks ago. We're certainly glad to have her here and we're going to take an opportunity this afternoon to learn a little bit more about her and how she decided to pick NCAT and uh, all the big, all the great things we're hoping to hear that she wants to, to do with NCAT. So, Luz, welcome to the to, to the broadcast. And uh, let me just start with the first question. I'm curious, where were you born and raised, Luz? Yeah, Robert. Uh, thank you for uh, for the introduction and the warm welcoming. So, actually, I was born in Mexico City. And I moved to the Rio Grande Valley, Texas, when I was around 12 years old. And then five years later, I moved to North, Northwest Arkansas. And I lived in Arkansas for about two years. And then I ultimately decided to come back to the Valley for college. And, and I was a little tired of the cold <laughs> and missing the heat. Um, so I guess you could say I'm... I'm from here and I'm from there and I'm a little bit from everywhere. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, I'm curious also just continuing with the discussion of, of family a little bit. I'm just curious, is it, does your family have any direct connections to agriculture? Uh, do you have any childhood memories of going to a ranch for, for, you know, that your uncle and aunt had or your grandpa had or any, so what's your ag connections from your family? Yeah, so curiously, I have no direct family connections like in agriculture. In fact, I think when I, I was little, my mom decided to take out the grass and put some concrete in because she didn't want to deal with it. Uh, so very like not a lot of like family memories, memories in that my family has always been in the like business sector, private industry driven. So it wasn't until I discover like my like passion for agriculture uh, until I came back to the valley and I came back to college and I started to make connections about like my life, health, agriculture, food, community. And I and one thing that drove me to agriculture was like my love for food and <laughs> my love for eating. Uh, I think I I am a, I I want to say I'm a very good cook. And so I really like to cook. And then one day I sat down and I was like thinking, hmm, like, I wonder where like all of these ingredients that I'm cooking with are coming from. And I kind of like dove into it and it took me to agriculture. And then I met Dr. 
Alexis Rosales at UTRGV and all of his like grad students. And I truly like fell in love with it when I saw how like the fields were transforming from season to season and like the the hard work the farmers, ranchers, growers, like everyone puts into into it. And I think just out of deep admiration and like uh, love for change, I got into agriculture. Okay, well, thank, well, let's just follow that line of thought. So then how did, as you were, as, as all that was happening and you were trying to decide your, your career, I guess, your academic selection, what made you pick environmental science then as a major? Yeah, so I've always been between the, the line of like science and art. And I mean, I, I chose science because it's in its own, it's its own art. And so at the beginning, I really wanted to do, I wanted to pursue a medical career. So I wanted to be a doctor. And then very short from thinking about that, I was like, well, this is really not for me. And so I thought, well, the next obvious step on like taking care of people and like keeping people healthy is, of course, like keeping our environment healthy and like understanding all this earth processes. And so that took me to to environmental science. And then in my work as an environmental scientist and the chemistry of it all, I came into the agricultural world and I saw a lot of good and then also a lot of bad. And I just got very curious about it. And so that's why I decided to further my knowledge with a master's degree on sustainable agriculture and environmental sciences, and then focus on soil health, soil nutrients, and everything relating to keeping people healthy, keeping animals healthy, keeping the environment healthy. And so I, I would like to think that environmental scientists uh, are kind of like the doctors of the earth. <laughs> so that's how I came to it. Okay, well, uh, speaking a little bit more about your work there at the University of Texas, Rio, Rio Grande Valley, I noticed that you worked on a uh, soil dynamics project. Can you give us a little bit of history and and what you really thought was interesting about that project. Yeah, of course. So as part of my master's degree at UTRGV, so at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, I was asked to work on the NRCS Dynamic Soils Property Project. And then I kind of took on the role as, uh, as the chemist on the project. And I specifically focused on like soil carbon and, and soil nitrogen. And I just found it very, very interesting, especially with all this hype about potentially uh, capturing carbon on agricultural soils. I thought it was it was a good project and it would give me a chance to analyze the impacts that management has on, on those two elements. And so for this project, I particularly focus on how different tillage regimes have an effect on nitrogen and soil carbon, kind of in a very like short amount of time and then also kind of see how those interactions work with like a very hot climate. So a subtropical climate and of course, like the clay soils and the sandy soils from the valley. So that's what brought me to that project and what I'm currently wrapping up. And then, of course, collaborating and working with my colleagues at UTRGV to not only look at the carbon and the, and the nitrogen, but also look at the biology and the physics of it and how it all works together in a cycle instead of just looking at a one-dimensional picture, have it all be 3D. So as it relates to nitrogen, what factors or what indicators in the soil were you actually trying to measure? We measure uh, total nitrogen 
using the, the CN analyzer. And we also measure ACE protein. So that's linked to the available organic nitrogen. So those were the two measurements that we're looking at, right? And then the total nitrogen having both the inorganic and organic, and then just having it see how it responds to tillage. And then of course we have other metrics. We have things such as the phospholipid fatty acids. So PLFA, seeing how that the positive negative bacteria, the fungi, just kind of seeing if there's like any correlation between that biological activity and the organic nitrogen. And you, has that project wrapped up? Has it written its final project report yet? Uh, not yet. So we're, we're wrapping it up. And the reason being is because we want our lab data to be as accurate as it could possibly be. So one of the things that this project is also giving the university, I think, an opportunity is to see the capacity that they have on conducting kind of this like soil analysis and soil tests as accurately as possible. So it hasn't wrapped up yet. Uh, We're looking at the data and deciding if it's good enough or if it needs to be done all over again. (laughs) INCAT Soil for Water connects you with farmers, ranchers, and land managers who are discovering practical ways to catch and hold more water in their soils. Find their stories of success, practical tips for soil health, and more at soilforwater.org. Okay, well, I know uh, you're, you've been there at uh, UTRGV for, for three or four years, I guess now, and, and part of what uh, has developed there over that time period is that a group of students, again, through Dr. Rosellis's work, have come together to form a student farm. I think it's called the Hub of Prosperity Farm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if you could give us a little bit of history of, of your uh, participation in that farm and and what you think it really adds to the whole value of students like yourself going through the UTRGV system there. I cannot take credit for any work about the Hub of Prosperity. Everything is Stephanie Casper and Dr. Alexis Roselis. And I think uh, they've achieved everything that they set their mind to and with the purpose of making uh, urban agriculture more tangible for people in the valley and then also creating this sense of community and this sense of like knowledge of where your food is coming from and I think we are all learning from them not even like st- not only students from the university but also people uh, from the community and people in the church so they're very much making agricultural agriculture tangible for people that don't have a background on it and so I want to say that my work is a volunteer and and learning from them (laughs) and so yeah I think they're doing a great job and I think it's a good way of getting hands-on experience and like teaching students like not from books but from the field. And so if if I'm not mistaken I think the farm is what about five acres and you rent it from a church there that's uh, close to the university correct? Yeah, yeah. So I think it is five acres and they do rent it from the, I forgot the name of the church, but this Methodist church and it started just like as an abandoned terrain. And, and if you, if you Google it and if you look at it, uh, it's like truly transformed and they have like multiple partners and they also have uh, some ongoing pollinator research going on. So very, very cool, very cool space and a and, good addition. So you, you also actually set, have a farmer's market set up there, right? So part of the part of the education that's going on there for the students is how do you make agriculture really work as a business, right? 
Yeah, yeah, they do have a farmers market every Saturday morning, and they and and they also have volunteer hours for like anyone that wants to come, not just only students. I think it's just showing the community like all the aspects of it, so like the business side of it, the work side of it, the planning side of it. So, uh, very cool space. Yeah. All right. So, um, kind of changing the perspective a little bit. I know you you said you were a volunteer at that farm, and so. You've also graduated, got your bachelor's degree, and, and you actually started a, a career at an institution called the Texas Water Development Board, right? Can you tell us a little bit about what you have you did there at the Texas Water Development Board? I like truly love my work at the Texas Water Development Board, and my work was uh, doing community outreach and technical assistance for communities participating on the, on the National Flood Insurance Program. So that was more about disaster mitigation planning and everything that has to do with the National Flood Insurance Program. So also conducting soft audits. So I found my work very fulfilling and I definitely learned learned a lot and, and learned how communities like deal with disaster mitigation planning. And, and then I also kind of like saw everything else that TWDB is doing and they're uh, undergoing projects, uh, not only on water conservation, but also on, on flood mitigation and kind of connecting the water cycle again, right? So from drought to flood, from conservation to flood. So that was my work with TWDB. And um, I think I encourage anyone who's who lives in Texas too, to look at their website and see the work that they're doing because I think it's, it's a very good, I'm curious within the agency there, um, not only with the specific project you work for, but is there, is there a rec uh, recognition of the importance of agriculture as it relates to water conservation and water use in Texas within that, within that agency? Yeah, so they do have a agricultural conservation team and they do provide, I believe, grants or loans for people that are, I guess, like have like water conservation projects, like irrigation projects. So there, there is a growing interest on like how we can save water and help farmers like serve, so, uh, help farmers save water. So they do have that and people can go check it in under their, their conservation page. Okay. All right. So you worked there for a little bit and now you've left the water development board and you've come over to NCAP. So I'm curious, what, as you may decided to make that transition in your mind, what are the project areas within NCAP that you really hope to be able to work on and, and have some impact on? I kind of decided to work for NCAP because, of, of course, like my master's degree work and my interest in the environment and agriculture. So I'm very interested in working and continuing working on NCAP's like soil for water. Uh, and then as well as maybe learn a little bit more about the ag agri-solar um, and how there can be an intersection between renewable energy and agriculture, and then how that can connect to the soil for water, because ultimately at the end of the day, everything really connects, right? And I think I'm also very interesting, interested in working on the technical assistance and community outreach and the and the communication side of things, right? Because I think NCAT is doing uh, some amazing things and I think people need need to know 
that that we're here and all the work that we're doing. Well, it's interesting you said that. I really have uh, only one more question for you, and it relates kind of to just what you said about NCAT, the work that NCAT's doing is is very important, and the importance of I guess sharing the sharing the gospel, so to speak. So I'm curious, just on a personal level, when you now meet with your friends and everybody, and you say, "Hey, I just got this new job at NCAT." How do you explain that to them, to people who have no real connection to agriculture and really don't know much about agriculture? How do you really t tell them what you did and why you did it? I think this is a hard one, especially because my family's not in agriculture and because a lot of my family still lives in, in Mexico. Uh, so it's kind of like hard to explain that I work for a nonprofit, but the way I explain it is like uh, I work for a nonprofit that provides assistance, guidance, and connects uh, multiple players, so like state agencies and other nonprofits in this path to sustainable agriculture and outreach. And I think when I say connects and communicates, uh, because they're all very like business people, they're like, okay, I understand, like I get, I get what you guys are doing. So that's that's the way, that's the way I explain it. Okay, well, thank you. Luce, we sure appreciate it. Uh, and we appreciate all of y'all listening to uh, Luce's and our discussion here today. As I mentioned earlier, Luce has just joined uh, NCAT. We're real glad to have her on our team and expect a lot of good things out of her. And so we will sign off now. And uh, uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Additional information about this episode and related resources can be found at atra.incat.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Voices from the Field wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Rich Myers. ATRA, Voices from the Field, is produced by the National Center for Appropriate Technology, headquartered in Butte, Montana. It's supported by the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service as part of NCAT's ATRA Sustainable Agriculture Program. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this recording are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the USDA or NCAT. We'll catch you again next week, and until then, keep on farming.